You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. Okay, we're back, and I feel like I have to start the show by saying, order, order. (laughs) (laughs) It was a busy new summer, sisters. And that was the highlight, man. (laughs) Woo! Put it on repeat. We're the Satellite Sisters, and we are happy to be back. It's our season premiere. That's how we like to call it. It's our season premiere, and we're excited. We're ready. We're rested. Liz, you seem to have a new coffee cup. I have one. Julie, what's happening there in the closet in Dallas? You ready to go? I have really uh, rustled up the closet. It's looking good. I'm rested. I'm still pale. I am ready to go. (laughs) Still pale. That's good. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm a writer and producer. I live in Pasadena, California, and I'm happy to be back. I had a good, good vacation. Yeah, good, good. That's good, Leanne. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm here with Leanne in the Wondery Sunset Studio. We actually took a selfie of ourselves this morning in the studio, our first day of school photo. So you'll be able to find that on our Instagram feed. We'll put it. We'll scatter around. Scatter around. So look for that. Okay, and this is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister, and I'm here in my closet. I, too, took a picture, but I had to, like, straighten up a couple of my hangers so my closet (laughs) didn't look so messy. Uh, I'm I'm married. I'm an empty nester. I'm a grandmother. Of course, I'm Urban Nana with five glorious grandchildren. I've got Oliver here, my big baby dog, and (laughs) I'm just so happy that we're doing the show. Yeah, you know, as... You would imagine we have a jam-packed show. I had to uh-huh. cut a lot of things, ruthlessly yeah. cutting things. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. So, uh, and you cut our things, too. Yeah. That, people need to understand. <laughs> Leon's the boss. So, but today on the show. When Leon says to you, please watch your time, it's her way of saying, like, yeah, then just get through that really quickly. We're not going to, we don't want to spend a lot of time on Could that. Could you tighten it up? <laughs> that's one of her It's your job, Leon. It's your job. It just means don't go on and on. I okay? Know. I mean. Someone has to create all the... <laughs> Okay, I'll stop saying that. <laughs> um, we are going to tell you what we did on our summer vacation, and I announced my new book. So I am <gasps> finally able to reveal my secret project, The Sweeney Sisters, will be published by William Morrow, HarperCollins, April 2020. So stay tuned. Entertaining Sisters, you're going to hear all about the book, the backstory, and plans for being out and about with the book. Yeah, Very excited. Julie and I are dying to know, too, because a lot of this has been secret, even from us. You know, we've known right, a little we bit haven't of read it. the book, so yeah. I'm going to be listening up in the third segment. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, we're also going to follow up on the college admissions scandal that's taken up a lot of Julie's time and vitriol this summer. Joel, you're going to report back on some of your yeah, findings. Yeah, there's some new developments, and some things have changed. Other things are not changed. All right, Liz, hmm. you you're doing just a true crime corner over there. What's, what's happening? Facebook scams, uh, military men against women. Have you ever wondered, Leanne, why you get so many like likes from military men or invites, like Facebook invites from military men? Does that happen to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yes. Yeah. Well, guess what? Mm, they're not real. Okay. But some people fall oh. for them. Oh. And there's some very sad tales. Anyway, okay. It's useful info. Okay. All right. So we're we're on that. But first a little uh recap of what we all did on our summer vacation. I have to be honest, once that Taylor Swift album came out, I just listened to that. I mean <laughs> that came out on Spotify and I, the first day I listened to it 10 times. I just, and then I just continued to play it. Mm-hmm. I continued to tune off most media and turn on <laughs> Taylor Swift. And I, that was a successful summer media strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. I have to say, I've always admired Taylor as a person, as an artist, as a woman out there in a really male dominated business. And I thought she was a very good little songwriter, but I didn't listen to her albums back to back. She had no. some great singles, some stuff. Yeah. But this one is like a mature work from a you know mature songwriter. She's oh. 27 now. She has a lot to offer. I just love it. I love the album. <laughs> okay. That's a good recommendation, Liam. <laughs> there you go. That is good to hear. Well, during the hiatus, the hiatus, just so that listeners understand, 
It doesn't mean we're not working. It just means we're not working on this. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's true. We, we all had a lot of other things we were doing during the month of August. Uh, so you'll hear about that as the season unfolds. But then I also had my big trip to New York. You know, I was representing uh, the West Coast crew at... <laughs> Ruthie's wedding. Sheila's daughter, Ruthie, got married Labor Day weekend at the Golden Unicorn in Chinatown. I posted a few photos of that. It was super fun, and I was very glad to be there. But you'll be happy to know that we have actually booked the mother of the bride to come on next month, and she wants to tell the tale herself. So Sheila will be on the show in October. So you're really going to get the inside scoop on Ruthie's wedding from the only person who can tell it from the inside. That's the MOB, Sheila Dolan. So more from her. And that really tells you a lot about Sheila, that it took us a month to book her. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, Leah. Well, she's busy. She's She's very, very busy. She's got a whole tutoring career. uh, (laughs) uh, But we're we're honored and privileged that she can... uh, uh, sort of scare up some time to come talk to us. Yeah. So the other thing I did when I went to New York for the wedding, and I announced this on Satellite Sisters when we were talking about the new Statue of Liberty Museum, mm-hmm. I confessed that all those years we grew up right outside of New York City, and all the years I lived in New York City, and all the many times I've been to New York City, I had never been to either the Statue of Liberty or Ellis Island. So I, I don't thought, know how that's possible, Liz. I, right? Really? Yeah. Then we I thought we did it for a big Thanksgiving together where you I yeah. guess you weren't there. No, I you know, or I chose well, to wait. do other things. So remember, I lived in New York in the eighties and it was Statue of Liberty was closed for a lot of that time. That's when they were rehabbing her. And then after nine eleven they closed it entirely. So a lot of the stretches I lived in New York, she was not open to the public. Anyway, so, or I don't know, when you live in a city, maybe you don't do the tourist, whatever. You see it. You went on the ferry. Oh, sure. I've been on the circle line. to actually go there and do the tour is a different different process. The year of the bicentennial, so 1976. Oh, going way back. Yeah, going way back. Let's not date ourselves. I just Just, want to say, like, the tall ships, you know, if the tall ships are coming through New York Harbor, that Jim Dolan is buying tickets for everyone. So we all went to that. We were on a ferry boat in the middle of New York. Anyway, I had never been to the Statue of Liberty. So I went with with my friend Judy, who came with us to Patagonia, Julie. so She is an intrepid traveler, Liz. Uh-huh. Yes. Also lives in New York City and had never been to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> okay, shocking. Okay, maybe this is a satellite sister thing, that you should take your satellite sister to whatever is the biggest tourist attraction in your hometown. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, the thing that you just have never gotten around to doing. So it was a one of those super gorgeous New York late summer days, like sunny, blue sky, no humidity. You meet at Clinton Castle, which is a place I had also never been. Uh, and you take a ferry from there that goes to Liberty Island. And then from there, the ferry goes to Ellis Island. And then it brings you back. So the whole thing, like, give it a lot of time, people, because there's a lot to see. And you just want to, there was a lot to take in emotionally, I it thought. Is. I yes. was very emotional the whole day. And um, partly it's because, well, let's start with the Statue of Liberty. So you get there. And there's the new museum, but we thought, okay, we'll do that afterwards. So we went up into the base. We had tickets that would get us into the base, but not up into the crown. There's only a very lim- limited number of tickets uh, into the crown. So, But from the base, you're, you're really inside the structure. It's an amazing structure, and you appreciate all of that. There's kind of a little museum in the base. I would say skip that. Now that there's the new museum, don't go through the little you know, the dioramas in the base of the Statue of Liberty. You can blow by that, blow by that. We got all of our steps in because even just going to the top of the base, that was plenty of exercise. <laughs> and it was, there was just something really dramatic about like standing there in the middle of the harbor. You see all these boats going by. You're imagining what it must have been like in New York Harbor a hundred years ago. Right. Uh, it just, it's, it's sort of thrilling to be able to put yourselves in the shoes of the people that that came across. So then we went into the new museum, 
which I would recommend to all. The uh, There's a, like a little three-part movie uh, that was donated by the Walt Disney Company. So they do that Disney thing where you see like five minutes in one room and then five minutes in the next room and five oh. minutes. They keep you moving the way they do it. Yeah. they got a Disney World thing happening there. Yeah. And, but that is... Um, right into the gift shop? Right, yes. That, <laughs> which is, and didn't I tell you, that gift shop is excellent. It's there. excellent. Uh, yeah. Did you pick up some Statue of Liberty uh, paraphernalia, I hope? I did not. But the uh, but Diane Sawyer vo- voices the the movie, and so again, super well done. It's just and very emotional. Yeah, I, ca- I kept choking up because it's very dramatic. The it whole is. story of like, everyone coming to America. So then, and in the museum, the original torch is there. The torch that's actually on the statue now is relatively new. I think they did that in the rehab in the 80s or something. Anyway, the original is there. So the museum isn't big. You can take it in fairly quickly, but, like, super great. And what I kept noticing and commenting to my friend Judy is that, like, in all of the pictures of the immigrants coming into New York Harbor, everyone's, like, all dressed up in their Sunday clothes. You know, there are all these kids on the decks of the ships, and they're, they're little jackets and shorts. They're wearing wool. They're, I was yeah. trying to imagine what would that look like in this day and age, and it wouldn't look like that. And so, again, trying to imagine what it was like to be those people beholding New York. So then you go to Ellis Island, where you get a lot more information mm-hmm. on this, and it... Um, I feel like at Ellis Island, you can feel the ghosts. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 You can really, it's it's like an overload. Yeah. And there's another film there. There's like, they have free audio tours in both places by the boo. But there's another film there that's all first person narrative about what it was really like to come in. And people came with nothing. Yeah. That's what you hear oh. over and over again. They might have had one suitcase or one basket or mm. there was a fee to get into America. It was Five dollars, but if you didn't have five dollars, okay, whatevs. You know, right. you're like people. And then there was sort of the process of checking people's health and all of that. So yes, some people got sick. Oh, back amazing! And, uh, yeah, that was amazing. But the one thing I never understood, Julia, is like, you know, in all the movies, you see people coming in there, and then they're all all of a sudden in Manhattan. Like, but there must have been a lot of people. First of all, how'd they get there? Because you're not you're in the middle of the harbor, but. There must have been a lot of people that didn't stay in New York City. So they explain that there was a whole system there to either buy train tickets or they just gave you a train ticket. If you had a letter and you had family in Kansas City, they would like pin a Kansas City train ticket. They would take you on a ferry over to Weehawken or Bayonne and you would get on a train west or you would get on a train south. And the conductors on those trains, because nobody spoke English, it was their job to make sure that you got off in Pittsburgh or Chicago or whatever point west you were um, headed to. So that was emotional, too. Right. Just what a what a countrywide enterprise this was to like bring people here and settle them and take care of them. Super dramatic. And then the last thing that was just is always very dramatic to me. There's something about looking back at Lower Manhattan yeah. and then thinking about, I know tomorrow is 9-11. It just, you look at Lower Manhattan and it's just such a shining beacon in so many ways that it looks so beautiful. So much of it has been reconstructed. But I got to tell you, standing there, you're just sort of reliving that morning. Right. You're remembering that picture. Right. That's just a part of being in that part of New York that I think I will never shake off. Right. But in a like in a beautiful way. I mean, New York is still there welcoming everyone. And as much as possible, America is welcoming everyone. So it's totally like, okay, I think I've made my point. Go do this. <laughs> I think you've proven it. Wow. Yes. I'm it's so, a very me- meaningful it's trip. It's super it meaningful. Is, yeah. it, okay. Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go see it. Liberty and freedom. These are really, yeah. really good things. Anyway. So. Yeah, no, it's nice to recall that. Uh, you know, it's important to recall that with 9-11 being tomorrow, yes. the memorial. Yes, you mm-hmm. were there that morning, Liz. That, you know, so it has just an extra residence, resonance for you, of course. Um, Anyways, wonderful trip to New York. Wonderful visit to places I had never been before. So I would say a, a summer hiatus well spent. You should go to Washington, D.C. next. <laughs> yeah, Leanne never got to go there as a child. We've all, we've all heard how she got left, left home. I'm just saying, yeah. sometimes these 
these, you know, big, important things in America, they're really fantastic trips to take. They and they, are. They're going to hit you differently as an adult than they would hit, have hit you when you were 12. That's being so true. dragged there, you know, with your seven brothers and sisters. <laughs> Who wants to go on that trip? But the trip you went on, totally worth it. Yeah, no. Yeah. Totally, no, vo- I mean, totally I, you voluntary. Can, <laughs> you can appreciate the magnificence of this country. Yes. And, you know, and in all of its glory. So that's great. Um, you know, Leon, I my summer was a little bit like yours, where I was trying hard not to watch the news, yeah. not to get involved to it. And uh, there were three women in the month of uh, August uh, 2019 who really lit up my day. Okay. Uh, one is Simone Biles with that triple double oh, with oh the most God. amazing thing. I don't know how many times I watched the video of her <laughs> doing that. It's just such a human feat of achievement so so fearless as she's just hurling herself through the air doing sort of impossible things to even catch with your eyes so simone pretty much saved me but then there was coco goff yeah you know she's back at the u.s open she's young she's a teenager she's got a big smile on her face and again she plays with such fearlessness and such joy um, that that was really inspiring. And I looked for every little bit of news about her, about what was great. She played doubles as well. And, you know, most people who play tennis in the U.S. play doubles, and you don't get to see that much of it at some of these big tournaments. So it was really fun when Coco was with her party partner, Katie McNally, and they call themselves McCoco. I enjoyed that. that, 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 that <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. My day. Yeah. And finally, Serena. You know, uh, I mean, something happened in September, okay, and hats off to Bianca Andresco for winning. Yes. Yeah. But Serena, come on. She is such a champion. She the, Just the way she rolls over players, uh, her fearlessness, her fierceness, uh, it was all excellent. So those three women... I just kept uh, kept them on my social media feed, just kept watching them, and that was very satisfying. So two very likable movies. That's what I'm going to call these, Blinded by the Light, I think, and I posted some of this on Facebook. I know, Liz, you saw it as well. Yes. And then, Leon, the other movie that I know you saw, Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Just totally likable, feel-good movies, can highly recommend them. Again, they were a big part of the uplift of August for me. Uh, you know, Peter Butter one... Falcon, I loved that too, Julie. Lee, and you had recommended yes. that. It was your son, Colin, yeah. that, that took you to see that. I keep trying to recommend it to people, but it's a very hard name to remember. Peter right. Butter Falcon. It just, I, I keep struggling with the actual title so yes write it down people peanut yep. butter falcon just <laughs> that's what a post it is for just okay. a beautiful movie okay uh and then one excellent british drama show line of duty i highly recommend this this is about a police internal investigative unit that is rooting out bent coppers that's <laughs> they're called in it order <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, See, you can't get enough of it, can you, once you start saying No, they can't. Stop. It's really, okay, uh, so good guys are bad guys, bad guys are good guys, everybody's flawed, it's all very suspenseful, it's really well done, uh, it's on Acorn and Amazon Prime, Line of Duty, Ooh. check it out. Ooh. And then finally, I, I, this, I have to say, another act of total fearlessness, and that is um, Abrea Hensley, who has um, a PTSD, and she is allergic to dogs. So she has an emotional miniature support horse, and <laughs> okay. she got permission. You yeah. probably saw this story. No. She got permission to fly with her emotional support horse. Now, of course, it is the living end when they let horses on a plane. Okay, <laughs> well, stipulated. So it's a mini horse? It's a it's, mini horse. It's a miniature horse. Liz. Okay. okay. And you should pay attention to this because she just wanted to take this horse on the plane. And I, I have to give it to her. She appealed to the FAA. Okay. And she got it approved. She made it happen. She wanted to fly with her horse. And you know what? She's flying with her horse now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, and that Liz, for you, I am saying I would pay big money to buy a ticket for Flirty is the name of the horse, Flirty and Embrea to be on a flight with you. I would pay big money. 
Well, <laughs> just see your reaction mm -hmm. to see how you cope with flirty on the plane with you. <laughs> okay. I guess, you know, if that's what she needs, we need to support her. She needs it. That's And she made it happen, Liz. She made it happen. She appealed it. She went through all the right processes. Okay. She needs the horse to fly. Okay. I, I'm on her side. So, so hats off to Flirty. She was part of my very successful 2019 August. Yes. What a, what a month. Well, yes. everyone sounds like they had a great vacay. Yeah. Great vacation. Yep. Sometimes you just need it. You need a little break. All right. When, uh, when we return, we're going to get back to business with the college admissions scandal. And then Liz has a true crime report. And Julie has a couple of things she learned from her plumber. So her those plumber. are all good. Huh. But first, um, we need to take care of some business. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. Because, <laughs> because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, you I like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the Framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? <laughs> That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. All right, we're back. Julie, you're just bringing it to us. Now, the vacation is over. It is time yep, to we're talk admissions. <laughs> Right. Well, it's back to school time and we're back on the admission scandals, the Varsity Blues scandal, where dozens of parents across the country paid huge sums of money to get their children either better test scores and into schools like Stanford, Yale and USC. So one of the parents that is currently under indictments, lawyer, has through the judicial process, gathered emails between the University of Southern California officials and and he, he got access to the spreadsheets that they use in the admissions office at USC, where prospective students and the large amount of monies the families either donated or pledged to the university were all together on, you know, on the same spreadsheet. So this meant to show that USC gave much more deference to children whose parents made large donations. Now, the University of Southern California says that they are the victim of bribery and this cheating scandal, and they didn't have any part of this. But I, I think it goes to show, you know, here we are six months after the scandal broke, that really nothing has changed in uh, university admissions. People are still taking the test. They're still applying to elite schools. It's still a completely opaque system where, in fact, where many schools, particularly private schools that are tuition dependent, where they need full paying students to, to you know, attend in order to make up their budgets, they flag these VIP applicants and these VIP applicants, whether through, you know, being able to pay full tuition or make these large donations, they are admitted at a higher rate than if you'd just 
applied. If you were a low-income student or you just a middle-income student and you applied to the school. And that is, to me, is kind of surprising. uh, because uh, you would think that after you know a scandal of this size, that it might call the universities, you know, to, you know, to take some responsibility for you know for their system that they have in place, but mm-hmm. they really haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Julie, it was interesting to me because I think when I saw those emails and the the exchanges and the notations made by the SC admissions people, you felt like. Well, that was the run of the mill system, you know. I mean, in the in the varsity blues scandal, those parents were bribing and committing fraud and things like that. But this was just the basic like pay to play system that we all suspected was in place. Mm-hmm. Right. But to actually see the notes was kind of shocking because some were things yeah. like dad was a surgeon. Like, so, right. I mean, uh, you know, just like, oh, okay, or they, you know, pledged 100 grand or, you know, there was one kind of shocking exchange like they were not going to admit the kid. I mean, he had lower test scores, lower grades, but then like, let's make another run at this donation donation and see if we can guilt him into it. Really? So there was a lot of complicity in that, you know, in those emails, this idea like, oh, we're the victim. Not so much. So even aside from the criminal behavior, it was just generally bad behavior yes. or behavior that they didn't want to be public right? because it is just the run-of-the-mill right. behavior and, right. ha- and has been for a long time. Right. Right. They're under a lot of pressure to increase their selectivity, increase the academic quality. They, you know, they allegedly want more socioeconomic diversity, but they also have to have more revenue for the university. So a, a private university like USC you know, they need those, you know, those high tuitions to come in. They need full paying students. So these are, it just is, you know, I, I thought that it might, that the varsity blues admission scandal might be like the thing that actually opened up the dam and said, Hey, maybe this whole system doesn't work. Maybe we should reinvent how we do this. But in fact, I, I, I don't think that's happening. I think it's just more of the same, which means there'll be more obstacles for middle class and working class kids that are trying to apply to the best schools that they can, can get into. It's interesting this week, there will be some sentencing will come down for the actress Felicity Huffman. Uh, so I, you know, whether or not she gets jail time, I know she's made a big apology about she was just trying to be a good mother and just trying to help her daughters, but not really. You know, she was really she was really cheating the system. And and the system is broken. So it just it makes it very hard for, you know, um, it's it's going to perpetuate what we have now, where where two thirds of the undergraduates are coming, uh, you know, that are applying and going to these top schools are from the top income uh, Mm -hmm. uh, quintile. And that it, you know, they haven't been able to uh, to change that system. So the New York Times has a piece that's going to it's just debuted online. It'll be out in their magazine section, uh, the education magazine section this some some this Sunday. And it's a pretty deep dive, a fascinating look at one school, Trinity uh, College in Hartford, that is trying to turn that around to actually really rethink their whole policy. But that takes years to happen. Right. And there's a really good section in there about just uh, sort of the unholy marriage of the college rankings and the SAT scores. Mm -hmm. And how unless you can uncouple those two things, you are never going to be able to give access to lower income students at a fair rate because the SAT score or any standardized test score is like 100% connected to parent income. Like it's just not... You know, so so those two, that coupling is just just going to gum up the whole process. But it, totally, I, worth I highly a, recommend right. that article, Liam, yeah. because it was really a very honest look at what actually happens right. in admissions. And now the new role of the enrollment management firms; these are outside firms uh, where they um, they try they're trying to optimize the financial aid package and figure out if they offer a kid a $5,000 scholarship, will he come to the school? And that they they have a lot of very quantitative types trying to figure out and predicting the enrollment rates at all of these schools. And that, that new sort of layer of of, you know, I don't know, analysis is is making it even harder uh, for for kids that 
are just applying to the college. You know, this is this is a way that they can they can really they're trying to maximize their enrollment um, uh, and tuition dollars and their enrollment size. And so it's, you know, again, totally out of the kid's hands that yeah, some yeah. quantitative consultant in, you know, some other state is assigning a value to an individual student like, oh, you know, yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down on this kid. Right. So you can see why kids and parents just don't know what to do. Anyway, Julie, right. you were an admissions officer at several elite yeah. institutions. So we're lucky to have you on the team to help us understand this story is not going Anywhere, no. any place. We're not no, letting it country. go away. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay, moving on to another story I've always wondered about. So there was a series of stories in the Times uh, this summer that answered one question that had always been haunting me, sisters, which is, why do so many military men want to friend me on Facebook? And... I just you I know, thought it was just me, Liz. I didn't realize it was everyone. That's it's everyone, that's, Julie. And it and, is. Oh, well, so it's not my cute Facebook pic- picture no, that's attractive. No, men. are you getting a lot okay. of generals, Jewel? Is it generals? Yes, mainly? I get. Yeah, I get. The, I get the elite of the military. Liz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Because guess what? They're not real. So the but I've always wondered about this, and the moment I see them in my friend request, I delete them because it can't. It can't be real, right? And so you get these hot soldiers uh, in your friend request, and and they're all, like, in Iraq or Afghanistan and lots of pictures. And, you know, but apparently this does work with some people, and it's become a giant problem both for the women who are being scammed. 82% of this is women being scammed, not surprisingly, these Facebook romances. Uh, And most of the women who are losing most of the money to this because ultimately the scammers start asking for payment and send me cash and send me a plane ticket. Uh, most of those women are over the age of 50. Oh. So just say. Yeah. So like lonely women getting into communication with someone they think is real and the person was never real. So the Times did a whole series about this, including an episode, you know, their podcast, The Daily. Well, now there's a TV show called The Weekly that they do on FX, and it's also on Hulu. And they did a whole episode of The Weekly just on this. Oh. And what was interesting to me is you kind of knew that, I mean, this is thousands and thousands of women. Really? Are being scammed out of millions of dollars. Oh, my gosh. It just is, it just is a heartbreaker. And some of the examples examples they have in the story, oh, it's just, it's heartbreaking because these are women that actually then go to the airports to pick up their soldier who they think is coming home to them and that person never materializes. So that's really like sad and tragic and heartbreaking. But on the flip side, the side I never thought of is that a lot of these identities are being appropriated from real soldiers or Marines, and they had an example in a story of someone named Sergeant Daniel Annenson in the Marine Corps, where the scammers had stolen his identity and done it in his name to dozens of women. And so now he's hounded by these women, by law enforcement authorities, by their families. And so he's had to completely go underground in his life. And so the military is really trying hard to figure out how to shut this down because it is having such a negative impact on members of the military whose identities are being stolen. So, And, it, and there's no way Facebook can do anything, yeah. right? Oh, right, People. exactly. So what Facebook did is they <laughs> shut down, sorry, Facebook. So they shut down a bunch of these fake accounts. I think I read that they shut down like 500,000 fake accounts or something, Julie. And then the next day, it's whack-a-mole. They pop right up somewhere else. There's just they haven't figured out a way to really take them down once and for all. So who are the scammers? Where are they? Guess what? They're, it's it's Nigerian princes, Leon. Oh. It's all coming from Africa. Okay. Uh, most of what they see are so the same people that are doing all the other internet scams. Yeah. Chances are, like, they've just figured out this is a really good way to get money out of people. So that's why they're having trouble arresting them because they're not, most of them are not in the United States. Okay. And so, law enforcement, military, you know, people, the families of women who have been scammed, they're all trying to shut this down, but it's just a giant mess. So, like, I know it goes without saying, but if someone asks you for money on the internet, 
don't don't give the money. Don't give the money. I know. It's just like, but the, all, all of these tales. But you can see they set up a whole relationship. Right. Yes, exactly. And they build that trust. Yes. And, and you, they, you know, you think you're just in a long distance relationship with someone. And yeah. they, you don't they use a lot of things like, oh, my house burned down or, oh, like my cars. Like they, yeah. they're not saying like, I need money. They sort of work it into the conversation right. like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, my yeah, my sister needs a surgery and she yeah. can't afford it. So, and right. they don't have. They say they don't have traditional emails because they're um, like on a secret mission, oh. or oh. they don't. You know, they're at some forward operating base. And so the military keeps saying, "Don't fall for that." All members of the military have real email addresses and access to real email. So the moment someone tells you the reason they have this weird address is because they. They're special have, ops. Yeah, they're special ops. No, uh, that, is, that is absolutely not true, too. So there's just a lot. I, I put some of the stories in the show notes, and um, it's just worth, it's just so sad to realize that people can be preyed on this way, just, you know, in their lonely lives, yeah. communicating with people that they think, you know, care for them. Anyway. Such a cynical crime. Yes, yeah, so cynical. So cynical. All right, Julie, lift us up. You have words of wisdom from your plumber. From the drain doctor, Leah, not just the plumber. Okay. okay? I met <laughs> with the a, drain he's doctor. He's a doctor. He's, he's a doctor. General. So listen up. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast when you're driving, you may want to pull over because the doctor told me three things that rock my world and I want to share them with you. Okay. First thing the doctor said to me is paper towel is cheaper than plumbers. Okay, think about that, sisters. I don't know what that, that means. That means that do not use that uh, disposal. Those don't work. Take a piece of paper towel, wipe your plates with the paper towel, um, and rinse your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Oh. Okay? Okay. Again, let's all repeat that. Paper towel is cheaper than the plumbers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Second thing he said is use cheap soap. Okay? The cheaper, the better. Go to the dollar, dollar store and buy their their soap is the best in the doctor's opinion. Of course, I was using Dawn because they, you know, they clean off all the birds the and birds, get all yeah. the oils. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He said Dawn clogs your drains. Wow. That there's it, the soap is so thick it creates a residue in your drains. Okay, so you have we all have to switch to cheap soap. Okay, this is because breaking that, news. <laughs> yeah, this is. I told you, Leanne. Wow. I told you. Okay, life changing. Okay. Where is blowing my mind? The doctor. <laughs> okay. And the last thing the doctor told me is every night when after you finish your di- dishes, run hot water down your drain for three minutes every single night to clean out your drain. Well, that doesn't seem like something I would really do. No. In a water it seems like shirt. a waste. No, of and you water. should do that because he said, you know, it could be, it can be oatmeal, it can be the soap, it can be just residue building up. But if you are running hot water down your drain, you won't have to visit. You won't have to do that walk of shame with the drain doctor. You know where they ask you, "Were you pouring grease down your drain?" No, I wasn't pouring grease down my drain. Yeah. Okay, drain doctor. Ooh, okay, blowing okay, our minds. Got that paper towel, cheap soap, and hot water. <laughs> Seems so simple when you put it that way. I, he was brilliant. He was. He was. The, I, that's why I'm sharing it with you. I got to say, I'm actually. I'm actually at a point in my kitchen where almost everything is slightly broken. You know, when you get there, right. like, like my yeah. dishwasher is kind of sort of not working. My disposal, mm, totally broken. And then last night, the my stove isn't lighting anymore. It's like all <laughs> all of the units are going out at the same time. I, you think, who who even fixes this? I don't know. Like, I don't know. A drain doctor. Do I need specialists for each of those things? I don't want specialists. We're going to talk after this. (laughs) Okay, Liz. talk after. Yeah, we got to talk to you, Liz. All right. Stay tuned because I'm going to give you the inside scoop on the Sweeney sisters. We are so excited. Yay. Uh, But first, we need to thank a couple of sponsors here at Satellite Sisters. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. (laughs) Either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. 
That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice to have something familiar there. <laughs> yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. All right. We are the Satellite Sisters and we're back. Okay, Leanne, we got to say congratulations. It is so nice that you can finally spill your secrets with all of us. You have been working like a dog. I know. Everybody has been very patient and very supportive, wondering when is my next book coming out. And I can tell you now, I can officially announce that my next book is coming out April 28th. 2020 from William Morrow, HarperCollins. Uh, It's called The Sweeney Sisters. Uh And any resemblance to actual (laughs) sisters (laughs) is Oh, yeah. I'm listening up to this part because we haven't read the book. (laughs) We are not allowed to read this book. Because I did notice on the cover they have red hair, (laughs) Leanne. Yes, Jewel. Yes. So there's a, Liz is going to put a link in the show notes. I encourage you to go to the link because that will explain a little bit of the story more. Mm -hmm. But it is the story of three sisters, uh, Irish Catholic girls from Southport, Connecticut. Again, purely (laughs) Purely coincidental. I love that you have uh, the book is in our hometown. That is going to be very exciting to read. Thank you. Yeah, it was exciting to write. And uh, a fourth sister shows up. So if you go read the book description, you'll figure out how that happens. And uh, oh. and that's sort of the mystery and the story sort of engine. Like Sheila in from the yeah. <laughs> in from the cult. She's not Sheila. I can I tell you that. Purely coincidental. Yes. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So so here's the deal. If you're wondering, wait, I thought your next book was set in Paris. And how did this happen? That's and what right. if, that's what you told us. What have you been doing for two years? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the deal, people. Here's a little behind the scenes about how this came to be. My my two book with William Morrow, which I'm very happy for. So I have written mm-hmm. a book set in Paris. It's an art history mystery set in Paris. I went to Paris. Did I had completed the manuscript, did a little more research and everything. My agent was trying to sell that. Uh, she found a great editor at William Morrow who enjoyed the book, loved it very much, wanted to buy Lost and Found in Paris. Yeah. Fantastic. Ah. But then this editor uh, at William Morrow said, do you have any other book ideas? And now... You're supposed to have other book ideas. Like, that's your job as a writer <laughs> is to con- ideas. have more book ideas. Is you to know? have, like, a whole, like, folder, other book ideas, right? Julia, a stack. I should have had a stack of book ideas. <laughs> I should have. But I had one. I had one legit idea that I was working on. Yes. And my agent said, you know, she's really interested in a book about sisters. Wow. Is that in your stack of ideas? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. She goes, could it be in your stack of ideas? Because you have a call with her in an hour, and <gasps> she wants to hear a pitch about a book on sisters. That is a true story. Wow. So I had an hour to cook up a book on sisters. And, <laughs> and so that's why it's sisters from South Park, Connecticut. Fortunately, you have some sisters, so that, that might have helped. You've been doing some deep research on that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so what I did, remember several years ago, I worked with ABC television and I created a TV show about Satellite Sisters. Yes. But it wasn't about Satellite Sisters because they said, oh, yeah, we love that it's Sisters with a podcast, but we don't want it to be about sisters or a podcast. Remember that? (laughs) I remember. (laughs) TV development. So I spent a whole year developing a show called Sweeney Family Rules. Yes. And so what I did, I went back to those notes. I had a single hour, Liz. I went, I was like, I got the Sweeney sisters. They're somewhere. And in that T 
TV pitch. It had been about brothers and sisters in and around the New York City area. Ditch I, those I, brothers. Ditching the brothers. I don't, I don't need those brothers. I got the sisters. They're all redheads. I actually had pictures in my file, like Emma Stone. Remember? <laughs> Julia Moore. Yeah. I, I took the, like pictures and made table tents out of them and took them to the TV pitches. So I just put the little table tents on my, okay, I got a book idea. Okay, it's happening. Genius. Genius. And in an hour, I pitched the Sweeney Sisters. Uh And, uh, you know, a little of that, a little of like actual, oh, people from our hometown worked that in. A couple of things I had sort of flagged on Facebook posts like, huh, that might make a good book someday. You know, put that in my notebook. Boom. Soup. Sweeney Sisters. And uh, she, I love it. I was like, oh, gosh. And then she said, could I have a two-page outline by Friday? And that's oh. like Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like when you think of something in five minutes, <laughs> it's not really fleshed out. It's not fleshed out. Well, two pages. But crank but, out too. So, but you so, were pretty much called out. I mean, you were bluffing it. You got called out, and you just you had to do it, right? I had to sit down and do it. Oh yeah. But and Liz is right. At two pages, you can kind of fudge. You yeah. can do a little bit of plotting, but mainly it's character sketching, setting the scene, maybe like highlighting the beginning. But you don't need the middle or the end of the book in two pages because you have no idea yeah. what the middle or the end would be. No. So. Okay, so Friday comes. Uh, I love it. I need a twenty-page out twenty-page outline by next Friday. <gasps> so then you need the whole darn book. <laughs> Not only that, you need scenes, you need dialogue, you need really? subplots, Liz. Oh, you God. need characters. So that's really writing a book. It's then. writing a book, Liz. You know, it's Ooh, definitely. I wouldn't want to be a writer. <laughs> I know it's a terrible job, but I had to do it. So long story short, she bought that darn book, and. Yes. Uh, so I had a two-book deal, the Paris book and the Sweeney Sisters, and that's all great. And mm-hmm. last July, careful listeners will remember when I took the train from the podcast uh, convention in Philadelphia to New York to have dinner or to have lunch with my new editor and my mm-hmm. agent. I had a business meeting, I think I said. But the key to that was I had to, like, change my clothes in the Banana Republic dressing room in lower Manhattan because <laughs> it was so hot. <laughs> and I was, like, schlepping my suitcase through Manhattan. So... And it was at that lunch that she said to me, well, you working away? And I'm like, not really. I'm just kind of waiting for notes on the, <laughs> the Paris. book's done. On the Paris book. Yeah, yeah, it's done. She goes, well, we're excited to bring out the Sweeney Sister book first. And my oh. face must have dropped. because, But I, I was like, I was frozen in time. And <laughs> I look at my agent. She goes, I-, I told you that. And I was like, of course you didn't tell me that. I would have 100% remembered if you had said to me at any point, the book you have not written that you barely thought up an hour ago, you have to deliver in six months. What is that? But I couldn't. I was like, "Mm," I just didn't respond. And I then I I had to change the topic because I was like, I don't have any follow-up questions because now my head's going to blow off. And... uh, so that was like that's going to be very messy at the dinner. It's going to be messy down there at that chic restaurant we were at, and um, so that was like July thirtieth, and then uh-huh. we went on our hiatus last year. And August one, I sat down and was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to write this book." Because the due date was April. So, uh, and now it's a fast turn for me. Yeah. So for uh, anyone, <laughs> for a novel, yeah, in which you've done nothing, nothing. Like you know, I usually. I had this 20-page outline, but I usually stew for a while, and things kind of grow in my head. The ruminating process. Uh, Yeah, and that's an important part of it for me, and, like, stuff goes places, and you sort of build the story, and you understand the world. I I didn't have time for that, Liz. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) August 1, sat down. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take this outline. I'm going to I'll take the whole month of August to do a to do, a, you know, an actual cards. I'm I'm an outliner. I do scene cards, blah, blah, blah. I have a whiteboard and everything. I'll take the whole month to do that. And then I'm just going to write it. <laughs> September 1, I'm going to write it. And uh, and by August 15th, I was like, all right, I think I got this story. And I just sat down and I started writing it. So mm-hmm. um, so that's what I was secretly doing all year. So yes. I loved when people on the Facebook page were saying like, oh, when's the next book coming? Oh, I we know you've been busy. And I was like, yes, I've been busy writing three books in <laughs> five years, <laughs> producing hundreds of podcast episodes. I mean, but I couldn't... Uh, 
they they didn't want me to announce it for a while. It takes a while for contracts to get settled. Yeah. And frankly, Liz, I didn't want to jinx myself. Yeah, I thought right, the minute right. I say the words out loud, <laughs> I was going to just plunge myself yeah. into writer's block and not be able to execute. Yeah, Julie, you and I barely asked about it, right? We would not inquire. No, no, no. We didn't. Because we didn't. I would I just mean, assume... Gave us a look or yeah. even there was a tone in her voice when I couldn't see her in person. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not asking about that. When there's I'm something I want you to know, I'll tell you. Was right. Sort of da- which I understand. Yeah. And it also must be a little bit frustrating to know there's a finished book on their shelf. Finished book. And yet they're making me write a new book. <laughs> you know what, though? In a weird way, it was a fantastic exercise for me as a writer. And I can say that now that it's done and in and been accepted, the manuscript, is that you know I had taken a while to write the Paris book. And I, I thought, am I ever going to be able to sort of write fast again and not get bogged down and just sort of you know, put the words down on the page. Sometimes not overthinking is actually a great strategy. Uh And uh, so it was a great kind of freeing exercise for me. Would I necessarily want to do it again? Maybe not. But you know what? This is a fantastic opportunity. I'm happy to be with a a publisher like William Morrow. I have a good editor. And uh, I just finished yesterday doing the final, final, final pass on all the... um, the proofing, like mm-hmm. it's a very complicated Oops. system of the writing and the editing and then the rewriting and the proofing. And and I read so over the last 10 days, I had to read the book again, you know, just what do you think? I loved it. I think it's great. <laughs> oh, good. good. So you're not you're not sick of it. No, I you really cry. haven't spent much time with this book. It's anyway, true. Lately, so. It's true. I laughed. I cried. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I you know, so it was a really fun process. Were there really some dark moments when I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to finish this Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to hit deadlines. Deadlines are very meaningful for me. Like Mm -hmm. always in my life, I'm a deadline hitter. And I had to actually ask for a couple of extra weeks at the end. And and but it was totally worth it. And um, so I'm just so happy that the news is out there. I love the cover. I think that's absolutely beautiful. beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. uh, I just think it's a gorgeous cover. Uh, I'm excited for people to read the book. It's uh, I think it's contemporary and it's modern and it has some laughs in it. But also I think it does kind of capture sisterhood in a way that's unique. So I'm I'm thrilled that it's done and I can talk about it. And um, and now we're in the planning stages of the marketing. And I know April 2020 seems a long way off, but it's not actually because mm. it does take a lot of time to physically manufacture a book, you know, yeah. and that's happening now. And then they lay the pieces for some marketing and stuff. And that that takes a while uh, in the real world. So, so everybody's going to want to know, how do they get you? How do they come see you? What, what should they be doing, Liam? And what do you want everyone within the sound of your voice to do? Sure. Here's the thing. You know, the days of like authors being sent on 25 city book tours by their publishers are over. Uh Like, you know, those are gone. Those are gone. Uh, You know, I would love to go to every city. I'm very enthusiastic. Yes. But there's just a a fixed amount of money that they're going to spend on it and a fixed amount of money that I'm (laughs) going to spend on it. And as my husband said, I think it's fixed. I think we're done now. No, uh, (laughs) no. So here's the thing. If you'd like me to come to your city after April 28th, 2020, I can't release the book beforehand, even if I'm in your city. It's that's the hard pub date. Um, You know, book me. Uh, Yeah. Let me know. Find an organization. You can contact me uh, at leandolan.com. You'll see a contact sheet. Give me your information. But I'm going to need some. I mean, I'm going to need travel. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to try to go to as many places as I can. There are certain places, of course, I'll go to here in Los Angeles. I'll probably make some stops in New York. The book is set in Connecticut. Probably and you're coming some... to Dallas, too. You have, we, we are have coming to Dallas. Dallas. We already, <laughs> again, but because someone booked us and is paying for our travel and we're going to Dallas, that was already on the books. And there are a couple of other things like that. But if you really want me to come and you have an organization that books speakers, uh, that's the best way to actually have me physically come. Um, But if you want to support the book, do whatever you want. Like, buy it now? Great. You can pre-order it now. Go to your local indie bookstore and say, oh, this book's coming out in April. Can I pre-order it? And that may get the buyer there to take a look at it and go, oh, I'm going to order five copies. This looks good. You know, so that's great. Um, Share it on your Facebook page now or later. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a whole mechanism I have for book clubs and things like that. I'm just starting to work on that because really I was writing the book. (laughs) (laughs) That is a key part of the process. I have two 
two pressing questions for you. Yes. Number one, are you go are you going to dye your hair red uh, for the book tour? <laughs> no, I am not. No, I I'm not a true redhead, and that's a really key part of the book. Actually, is the red hair. So no, I would never I would never pretend to be a redhead, Julie. Okay. I'm glad you've and really zeroed two, in are... on that. I, it's funny to me. Yeah. Okay. Go for no, it. No. No. Uh, and number two, are uh, do you plan to do the audio book for this book? Okay. In my contract, my my editor, my agent was very insistent that I be at least auditioned for the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Do not yeah. tell okay. her. You know the last thing in the world I want to do is the audiobook. I kept trying to say <laughs> I know that's it's good. not really that's yeah. not a deal breaker for me. Like right. it, you know, if 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 you like to bring in like Kate Mara to do the audiobook, <laughs> by all means bring in, yeah. you know so so I am you know, I'm going to get an audition at the very least, Jewel. That's what I can say. But there are okay, plans okay. because I'm with the bigger publisher. It's a, a there are plans to do an audio version of the book. As oh, far that'll as be I great. Know. Yeah, excellent. So, um, so that's all good. But, uh, but yeah, that's it's the book has a lot of dialogue, and I uh-huh. again because I just reread it and I thought. Oh, you really need an actress to do this. Yeah. There's a lot of dialogue in this book. It's a snappy, I yeah. hope. Snappy dialogue. Uh, but there's a lot that's of That's your thing, snappy dialogue. That's what I hope, Liz. So anyway, that's it. So exciting. Congratulations. Thanks to everybody who already Fantastic pre-ordered it. News. Yeah. It is. It's fine. I'm gonna try not to um bore I, I'm gonna try not to, you know, talk about it every week. Uh-huh. But if there's breaking news or things, dates added, cities People added know. information. And then after the first of the year, there'll probably be a little bit more of a concerted effort. But I, I really do appreciate everyone's um support and encouragement. Writing is hard. You know, you're you're alone in a room most of the day. And mm-hmm. I think Liz and Julie will tell you on this book because Monday and Tuesday are our podcast production days. Mm-hmm. I, I work the other five days a week. Yeah. So since August 1st, I, you know, I work seven days a week on this. There was no, I literally wrote Christmas day. There were no days off uh, from the writing. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I'm not a martyr. I, I enjoy doing it. I, I'm glad to have a career as a writer, but um it, it was, it's just nice sometimes to see all that encouragement that people want it. It just really, really helps helps you. Besides the dog, you're there for me, people. <laughs> you and the dog. <laughs> it's just a thrill that yeah. it's actually all coming together. It is. It's a and thrill. And people will be able to get to read it yeah. and see you out in the world next, yes. starting next spring. Yes, next spring. Next spring. Okay. All right. Well, that's super exciting. Um, I just want to mention... <laughs> One small event that I'm doing sure. related to books. Yes. Uh, the people I did announce this in the Facebook group. Uh, people know the skater Adam Rippon. And, Leon, you and I met him not long ago, right before the last Winter Olympics. Right. And we did a whole episode about how much we love him. Well, anyway, he's got a memoir coming out this fall that's called Beautiful on the Outside, which is Hilarious. It's a great title. I mean, it's a great title, and it's a gorgeous cover. Anyway, the people at Sixth and I, which is a big uh, venue in Washington, D.C., where they do a lot of big author events, asked me if I would interview Adam Rippon when he's at, at Sixth and I. So I'm going to be there doing that on Wednesday, October 16th. I posted Fantastic. a link in the Facebook group. I'll do it again. But you can go buy your tickets now. It's all online. It'll be fun to see you. I actually have a meeting with them on Friday about what that day event will actually be. So if you have questions about like how it's all going to work, I'll be able to answer those in a couple of weeks. But at least go buy a ticket. If you're in the general Washington, D.C. area, it would be really fun to see you. And I guarantee you, Adam is just a doll and so much fun to listen to. So there you go. Wednesday, October 16th at 6th and I. Liz, if it can't be me, I'm glad it's you. Uh, yeah. That's, I will say mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you need any finger, fig, finger, <laughs> figure skating tips, any, yes. any questions, uh, we can talk. We'll, well talk Well, I'm hoping two things. Sixth and I often post these things as their own podcast. So oh, okay. I'm hoping it will get posted, but then I'm also hoping we can get him to come on our show. Oh, sure. But I have not locked that Ooh, in yet. That okay. But it would be okay. fun. So then you guys would get a chance to ask the questions, which would be Absolutely. really exciting. All right. That is our show for today. A little bit longer for Showback. You can see we have a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, We're happy to be here. Thanks so much for supporting Satellite Sisters. If you haven't subscribed yet, we'd love for you to be a regular subscriber. 
We know it help it helps if you leave a rating and review. Yeah. So if you're so inspired, we would we would love to have that Go for too. It. Five stars if it's in you. Thanks to everybody who shared all of the episodes over the hiatus, especially those of you who are put in Facebook jail for doing so. <laughs> we are looking into that. Yeah. Our, our network is we're, trying we're to understand. We're getting to the bottom of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was just they apparently Facebook is so unused to genuine enthusiasm for a prom for for a product or yeah. something that they thought this must be some sort of illegal purchase or they bot. can't get rid of military romance scams, <laughs> but they can get rid of us. I don't know about those people. So, the algorithms are supposed to be worry. so smart. I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to Sergio Enriquez. We're happy to be back with Sergio here at Wondry and all the people with Wondry. We want to thank them. All right. On the to-do list, Julie, what do you have on yours? Well, first is we're going to have to wish Liz a happy birthday. Tomorrow's her big day. So everybody, please put your birthday wishes up on the Facebook page for (laughs) Liz. Okay. Make it a happy day for her. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, Liz, and we can talk offline about this. I am breaking up with my refrigerator (laughs) and uh, it's just not working anymore. The appliance and I are not getting along and I'll be happy to help you with your appliances (laughs) as well. Yes. All right. Uh, I have on my to-do list, I want to go see that movie, Brittany Runs a Marathon. I think it also looks like an excellent feel-good movie. Yeah. yeah. And just, yeah. I'm just going to keep that Taylor Swift momentum rolling with Brittany Runs a Marathon. Uh-huh. It looks very cute, so it's on my to-do list. Liz, how about you? Okay. Well, as, as Julie mentioned, it's my birthday tomorrow. Yay. But this afternoon, after we finish up here, I'm actually flying up to Portland because I have a little work to do in Oregon the next couple of days. So tonight, I'm having a little birthday dinner with our sister, Monica. Oh. So I'm meeting up with Monica for dinner, and uh, and that'll be fun. Oh, great. Oh, little, well, that's great. Little Good. B-Day, B-Day celebration. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're happy to be back this season. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.